Well, this morning, if you have your copy of God's Word, if you want to turn to James chapter 5, or you can follow along on the screen either way, whichever is easier for you. But I encourage you to take a look at God's Word, because it always is good to get right in the text itself. But over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about these intense struggles that the people who were part of the church at Jerusalem were going through. Their pastor, their bishop, he had, you know, one of the two terms was probably applicable to him. He wrote this letter, James did, as a way to instruct them as they were going through a very unpleasant time. Uh, the church at Jerusalem was young, just a few years old, maybe a decade old, and they were facing all kinds of opposition from the Jews on one side, from the Romans on the other side. Things were not easy for them. And he spoke to them about living in the world but not being of the world. He talked to them about um, not judging one another but choosing to speak good words about each other. He also reminded them that you need to be careful about boasting tomorrow about tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what could happen in any moment. And then he turns in this passage to talk about patience. Now, I know... Y'all are all going to say, we've already got this patience thing figured out, so we don't really need this text for, yeah, I need this text. Can I tell you that? I need to be reminded of the importance of patience and the role of patience in following God when things sometimes get difficult. And he lays out here, I think, four areas that I want you to see in this passage about um, the idea of patience. So I'm just going to jump into the text on chapter uh, 5, verse 7, and the Scripture says this, very, very much sugarcoats it. You ready? Be patient. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers. So that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. I think the first thing I want you to see from this, this part of the passage is this, is that inactive times call for patience. Now you're kind of going to look at that statement and if you're like me, after I finished writing it, I went, well, duh. When things don't seem to be going on, when things don't seem to be happening, things don't seem to be progressing the way we maybe hoped they would, we've got to be patient. We've got to learn to wait. You know, there's some things in life you can absolutely control. I can control what I'm going to eat, contrary to what I sometimes do when I go to a restaurant, especially a Mexican one, you know what I'm saying? I feel like I'm out of control, but I'm not. I really have that control. I just have to choose to what? Exercise it. Some things I have control over. Some things, though, in life I can't control. We saw that in our community last weekend, didn't we? Some things we have absolutely no control over. You say, well, why did that happen? It just did. I suspect patience is always easier in those things that we can control versus the things we can't control. But James is writing to a people who are facing attacks from both sides. And what he's telling them is this. Don't lose patience in those times when things don't seem to be progressing. Those times when patience doesn't seem to fit. And he does something that I think is helpful. He says, hey, I'm going to give you an example. Look at the farmer. Now, i got to tell you, I have never planted a garden in my life. Uh, and I'm going to be honest with you, I probably never will at this point. And I am perfectly okay with that in my life. You know with me? I mean, it's just one of those things I have no desire to do. But I do enjoy planting other things and seeing how they grow, trees and bushes and shrubs and that kind of stuff. And I like to do that kind of thing. But i got to tell you, what he's saying is look at the farmer, the one who plants a seed, 
What's the next step once you plant the seed? Patience. You ever planted something and you go, well, why didn't that grow? I came back, I was here yesterday and I planted it. It should be like full size now, right? doesn't work that way. There's got to be patience in that. This is similar to what they were facing as a people. They had answered God's call to follow him. They said, yes, Jesus is Messiah. We're going to give our hearts to him. And the result was this, strife and hardship. Yay, we won the, the prize for hardship. That's not a prize I want to win. Is it you? That's not something we want to face, but that's what they found. And so what they had to do in this moment, instead of allowing this hardship and this strife and those kind of things to destroy them, they needed to say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to step up and we're going to settle in our minds that the Lord is waiting to move in his time. I I can imagine being a daddy in the church at Jerusalem, facing this trial, knowing that my kids could be killed because of our faith. And I want to go, I got to fix this. Y'all with me? I got to take care of this. I got to do something about this. But when it seems like it's all going the wrong way and it's not much going the right way and it's in activities happening, we got to learn to be patient. Every single one of the followers of Jesus in James's day were facing opposition. Every one of them. They were all facing persecution. Every one of them. Others, some had been beaten, some had been whipped, some had lost their lives. We know from church history that John eventually was beheaded because of his, I mean, James was eventually beheaded because of his faith. I'd like to wait for that one to come. Patience. Because in the face of uncontrollable things, they were called to do this, walk with a confidence in the Lord, knowing that he's in charge. So we have the idea of inactive times. Second, we have the times that are inflexible times. Look at verse 10, inflexible times. What's an inflexible time? Look at verse 10. James loves to talk with examples, and I like that because I like to to, to get the connection. But look what he says. As an example of suffering and, there's that word again, what? Patience, brothers. And ladies, he's not talking about the guys. He's talking about the beloved, the brethren. It's all of us. He said, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You know, in our day, if I were to say to you, uh, remember 9-11, you would say, Oh, I know what he's talking about. Talking about a terrible day in our country when airplanes started flying into buildings and crashing into the ground and we didn't know what was going on and things were crashing. We get that because our collective consciousness as Americans hear that phrase and we go, I know what he's talking about. The same thing happens to the people at Jerusalem who grew up Jewish when he says, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. That's a cultural reference that they go, we know exactly what he's talking about. Well, what's he talking about? For a group of people who grew up that way, this made sense to them. Over the centuries, God had sent prophet after prophet to their people, these people's ancestors. He didn't send prophets because things were going well. Why did God send prophets? Because the people were doing what? They were off track. They were off where God wanted them. They were sinning. They were living a life that was not honorable to God, right? And so he says, I'm going to send a prophet to call them back to them. To put him plainly, they were doing everything that was wrong. And God says, I'm going to send a prophet to call them to do what's right. But you know what the reaction of most to the prophets who came? Huh, whatever. You're crazy. I don't want to listen to you. We're not going to change. We're going to be what? Inflexible. We're not going to do this. If you're in the midst of a moment like that, you get you get to the point where you're going, what in the world? God has sent this guy to tell them they needed to change. They needed to make an adjustment. They needed to go a different direction. And they say, no, nah, no, nah, we're going to stay right here. It's good. We're good. Yeah, they were still the people of God. 
but they were living like it. One commentator said this, the the job of the prophet was to help people change, to bring them back to God, to deliver a message, to encourage them to repent of wrong behavior. This tells me that the people of God had some serious issues. And the prophets would come, prophet after prophet would come, bringing a word from God, and the people would say, nah, nah, we're going to stay right here. Can you imagine being a prophet in that moment? You you might want to lose your patience with them, right? You might want to get upset with them and say, what? Don't you understand? Your pathway is wrong. You're going in the wrong direction. But we have to learn to be patient. And that's what he's trying to help these people in James's day to understand. Just like the prophets had to be patient with the people of God, they and when they would turn their backs on God and they thumb their noses at God, they would give the response. And James is saying, when seasons like this come in your life, you're going to have to learn to be patient. God, things don't seem to be changing like you want them to. Things don't go go the right direction like you want them to. He says, be patient. Be the person who says, I'm going to be committed to the ways of God. Think about the patience of not just Job. We always think of him when the word patience comes up. But think of Elijah who spoke to a nation that just didn't want to hear it. Think of Moses who had to put up with the people who kept rebelling and rebelling and rebelling. And y'all get the picture. Or about Noah who, who for years, for decades, built a boat and preached and told people to repent. And what happened? Nobody did. Can you imagine being in that moment of inflexibility? We could go on and on with prophets. But none of the prophets, they were perfect, but they persevered. How? In faithfulness, in patience, in listening to God. And that's the heart that God has for his people in James's day, is though things are hard, though things are difficult, though it seems like you're being attacked from both sides, you're on this proverbial island in the midst of a river that's raging all around you, be patient knowing that God is still God. Don't give up when it seems hard. But stay faithful. So in active times, inflexible times, how about those inexplicable times that call for patience? When we don't understand what's going on around us, how do we deal with that? Verse 11, he gives another example. Love it. He says, behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. That's another way of saying who remain in what? Patience. You have heard of the steadfastness of, here's our guy, Job. Y'all have heard of Job, right? Job, great story. And you have seen how the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is, have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Again, this is one of those cultural references. They go, you know, the steadfastness of Job. We kind of get it in our day, but it would have been closer to their time and they would have heard the story more often because they didn't have the New Testament until that time to have stories from. So they would look at the Old Testament. So here's what he does. He goes back to the Old Testament and says, remember Job. Now, let me remind you of Job's story. One day, the old deceiver, Satan, comes before God, sneaking in there like he does, and they have a conversation. I would love to have been on the fly on the wall for that one, wouldn't you, to hear a conversation between God and Satan? That would just be fascinating to, to watch. Well, we kind of get a picture of it in the, in the text. I want to summarize it. And basically, what, what God says, well, have you tried Job? Have you tempted Job? Have you, have you attacked Job? Have you tried him? He's faithful. And, God, and uh, Satan says to God, what? Yeah, of course he's faithful. You put a hedge around him. You're protecting him. Nothing can get to him. Of course he's going to be faithful. But if you took that away, he'd curse God. He'd curse you to your face, God. And so God said, have at him. But you can't kill him. Thank you, God. By the way, Job knew none of this was going on. It was inexplicable to him what's coming. 
Y'all ready? Here's what happened. A messenger shows up one day and says, uh, all your oxen and donkeys and the servants who watch those, they've all been killed. Then another messenger comes and says, all your sheep and the servants who watch them have been killed. Then another messenger comes and says, oh, your camels, they've been stolen and the servants who watch them have been executed. It's bad, bad news, right? Fourth, a messenger comes telling him that all of his children were gathered in one house for a feast and what happened? The house fell on them and killed them all. Job has no clue as to why any of this is going on. He doesn't know. He wasn't privy to the conversation between God and Satan about test Job. Oh, and then, if that wasn't all bad enough, his wife gives advice to him when he's covered head to toe in boils. Ooh, that sounds fun. His wife says to him, you know what you ought to do? Just curse God and die. Take your life. And through all of this, he had no idea that God was at work in this. It was all inexplicable to him. He was clueless to it. God doesn't give him a hint, one, about what's going on. He's walking through this inexplicable time. However, here's what he does in the midst of all that. Y'all ready? He shows great patience with God. Huh. Sometimes when things go wrong in my life, I kind of lose patience with God, don't you? You say, God, why is this happening? What's going on here? They needed to remember that the faithful patience of Job as they're going through these trials is the role, the, the, the role model they need to emulate. God is God, not just in the easy seasons, but in the hard ones. Even when it's inexplicable, you don't know what's going on, you don't know why it's happening, you don't know where it is. You're going, why God, why? Remember, He's still God. And then fourth, Commentators and theologians struggle with this one verse. They don't know whether to put it with the passage before, the passage after, or just make it stand alone. I think it actually goes with the part before. Look at verse 12. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. He throws in what seems to be a random statement, but I don't really think it is. What he's doing is writing words of instruction about those who face indefinite times. When you don't know exactly what to do, what's going on, where you're going to go, the things in the, ahead of us. See, when times become ambiguous, when they become perplexing, when we become confused, is when these people needed to step forward with a boldness that says, God, we're going to trust you even though we don't know what's going on, where it is. And here's the difficulty and the reality of these times is this, is when tax come on each side, we're sometimes tempted to do something Less than honorable, let's just put it that way. We might be tempted to swear, to make an oath, to speak rashly, to speak foolishly, foolishly in those moments. Because we, 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 we're in the midst of it, we're, getting, we're losing our patience, and we go, God, we got to do something. So we do something. Have you ever done something in the midst of a moment like that, and afterwards you go, oh my goodness, what in the world have I done now? Indefinite times call for us to say, God, we're going to wait and be patient for you. Because when times became ambiguous and perplexing, that's when we need to step back and say, God, we want to do that. Now, when we say, I'm going to abide in your confidence with God, does that mean it's all going to be easy? No. Does that mean it's going to be perfect? No. Does it mean we're going to have the best path forward immediately? No. It doesn't mean any of those things. But it does mean this, that we're going to make a choice that says, I'm going to wait on God to move. 
I'm going to let my yes be yes, my no be no, and I'm not going to fall under condemnation because I make foolish choices in these moments when I don't know exactly what to do yet. And in this, we find patience growing. So what do you do with this idea of patience? Three quick things. We might even finish before noon. Hold your breath. Number one, we've got to overcome patience with godly confidence. Overcome impatience with godly confidence. I, I am the worst person to be talking about patience. I'm going to tell you, I am not a real patient person. Although as I've aged, I'm getting about that much more than I used to have. I'm a little better, but I'm learning. But we have to overcome this impatience with God's confidence. Now understand, James is in no way saying that we have to somehow come up with the strength on our own and do it, figure out how to do it. Instead, what he does is he talks in a way that is very consistent with the entirety of the whole letter he's already written. As a follower of Jesus, we are supernaturally empowered to do one thing or several things. One of them is this, to walk with confidence in God. Say, God, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to what? Keep that which I've committed Unto him until that day, as the old hymn says. We're not called to live with a spirit of timidity. We're not called to live with a spirit of fear. We've been given a spirit of boldness, a spirit of confidence that says, I'm walking in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm his and he's mine. I think we forget that sometimes, don't we? This confidence is found as we lean into the Lord, allowing him to bring confidence that's not ours, but his. And the question remains, for me at least, how do I release that in my life? Is there something I'm supposed to do? Is there something I'm supposed to develop? Is there something I'm supposed to, to, to work at or put together or accomplish? I think David was on to something when he said this in Psalm 37. He says, be still before the Lord. How many of us struggle with being still before the Lord? We go, God, I'm here. Tell me now. I got to go. I got to go. I got things to do. I got places to be. I got to go. Tell me now. He says, be still, David did, before the Lord, and wait. There's that word again. It's the word for today, by the way. Wait what? Patiently. And here's a word we don't use anymore in English. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Don't look at those around you and go, oh, I want to be like them, I want to be there. Well, he calls us as followers to do something that's so out of the ordinary and so uncharacteristic for us in the 21st century as Americans, for sure. And it's this, is to stop and get before God and wait patiently. There's a little voice inside of my head and probably inside of your little head as well that says this, but you got to do something. you got to figure it out. You can't just sit there doing nothing. Just sitting there doing nothing is not going to accomplish anything. Just waiting is not going to get it done, is it? you got to do something. we got to get out there, make a choice. Even if you do something wrong, go do something. Go do it. Go do it. Oh, I argue with that little voice in my head a lot, usually not out loud, but it's there. Y'all with me? Because we think we've got to do it ourselves. There comes a place in our walk with the Lord where we just have to stop and say, God, I can't, but you can. God, I can't. I'm going to lay it at your feet. I'm not going to accomplish it on my own. I'm not going to try it on my own because I'll mess it up if I do it by myself. God, I want you. And I'm going to quit worrying about, quit fretting about, quit worrying about everything else and what other people are doing. I'm going to listen to you, God. If at the end of the day I can say I answered the Lord's call for my life and did what he asked me to do in this moment, then it's okay. 
Because the destination is not our concern. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, I want to remind you that your destination is absolutely 100% certain. You know that, don't you? We don't have to worry about the outcome at the end. All we're trying to do now is live for him in the now. So just listen. Wait. Get quiet before the Lord. Second, choose faithfulness over compromise. I try to put myself in the in the shoes or maybe the sandals, I guess, of the people in the first century living in Jerusalem who followed Jesus and think, how would I deal with what they were going through? I grew up Jewish. I'd heard the stories of the Old Testament. We knew the Torah. We knew the rules. We knew the regulations. We'd all memorized the 613 laws that we were supposed to do. And we had it all figured out. And then along comes the Messiah revealing his love for us and his forgiveness for us and the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And we've answered that call and we've trusted him. And now things are hard. And my wife's life is on the line. My kids' life's lives are on the line. My life is on the line. What do you do in that moment? Huh. Choose faithfulness over compromise. See, when things seem to be going haywire, we're faced with a choice, or many choices, actually. Will we be faithful to God's leading or not? Will we choose to stay the course with God or not? Will we allow ourselves to get off track with the Lord or not? Will we try to take matters into our own hands or not? Every single day, you and I are faced with a choice that says this, will I choose faithfulness to God or will I compromise with the ways of the world? I think often we don't find ourselves rushing away from the things of God. But what we do is we drift slowly away from the things of God, the ways of God, the thoughts of God, the directions of God. You know, I'm old enough to remember a time when a lot of the words that we use in our culture today were not even acceptable anywhere, much less within the house of a family that knows Jesus. And we just have compromised in that area and so many others. Think back to the day you answered the call of God. You said, God, I know I'm lost. I know something's missing. I need you. And you answered that call. You remember that feeling? Whether you were 7 or 17 or 28 or 84, I don't know. That feeling of change that happened in your heart. They go, man, there's something new here. There's something great here. God really does love me and he really does have a plan for me. And he has a direction for me and a path for me and a work for me. And he's going to do something in my life. And we agreed, God, I was a sinner and I needed you. And he forgave me. In that war moment, his work in your life, in my life, was not complete. He's still going to work with us to change us as we're faithful. That's what Paul wrote about when he talked to another Jewish-oriented group, the Hebrews, and said this, Since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our, what? Confession. As Baptists, we're not confessional people, but biblically we need to be confessional people that says, God, I confess my need for you. I confess my sin to you and I confess my faith in you. And that's something we're supposed to hold to and hold fast to and hold close to and hang on to it. His call for them, I think his call for us, my call for us is to this, say, God, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to let the standards of the world become my standards. Instead, I'm going to choose to be faithful to what you have for me and to be people who say, I want what you want for me and be faithful. One more thing. 
And you may say, this is a week late, but it fits the text today. We need to look for God's hand in calamity. Any of you have been through a hard time in life? If I asked you to raise your hand, every one of us would, because we all have. Some of us multiple times, right? We've had seasons where we just go, I don't know if I can go on or not. I don't know if I can make it or not. I don't know if I can handle it or not. There's an ongoing decision that we have to make that says this as we're going to develop patience. We have to say, God, I'm going to live my life in a way with a confidence in you, a faithfulness in you, but I'm also going to train myself to when things go bad, and they will, right? God, where are you working in this? What are you doing in this moment? What are you trying to teach me in this moment? What are you trying to instruct us in this moment? What are you trying to accomplish through us in this moment? Instead of going, oh, I'm just going to suck, suck it up and I'm going to be strong and I'm going to be confident and I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand up and handle it. How about instead we invest, rely on our strength that runs out. We say, God, I'm going to rely on your strength to go through this. I'm going to listen to your voice to go through this. I'm going to listen to your leading to go through this time. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to let you do it in me. Our understanding should be the same as the prophet Isaiah when he was going through a tough time and he said this, fear not. God said to him, fear not, for I am what? I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I would like to turn that thing around, that passage around and make it more personal. God says, God, I'm not going to fear because I know you're with me. I'm not going to be dismayed because you're my God. You're going to strengthen me. You're going to help me. You're going to uphold me and with your righteous right hand. God, you want to lead in my life. I'm here to remind you, listen, this morning, God hasn't abandoned you. He absolutely loves you. He hasn't walked away from you. He absolutely loves you. He's right there with you. You're going, but it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Huh. Consider Job. I bet there were days in his life he says, God, I know you're not even around anymore. Was he? He absolutely was. So what we've got to do is this. We've got to choose to be close to him. And that begins with us having a relationship in the first place with him. If you don't know and don't remember a moment when you gave your heart to Christ, that's the place to start. Because if you don't know Jesus, the rest of this doesn't make any sense. It's just all this religious activity we've got to do. I've got to tell you, religious activity won't get it. It won't cut it. Well, I go to church. Going to church won't cut it. You can go to McDonald's. That doesn't make you a hamburger, right? Hello. I can go a lot of places. That doesn't make me that. What I need is a relationship with you. What you need is a relationship. If you don't have that, that's the place to start. For most of us in this room, that's where we are. But here's what we tend to do. We tend to say, well, God, I got it. I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. I'll fix it. When I get in trouble, God, I'll let you know. That's the wrong approach. Choose to say, God, I'm going to follow you, listen to you, and let you guide. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be in your house this day. We pray that as we respond, whether publicly or privately, to your challenge, Lord, it is a challenge to me to learn to be patient in all the different times of life when it comes. Show us, Lord, how to do that, not with our strength, but in yours, by saying, here I am, Lord, use me. Father, I pray for those who need to respond in some way, whether it's publicly or privately. I pray your blessing on them as they do that. I pray, God, that as we come to the close of the service, you would just guide us through the coming days to learn patience. 
to listen to your voice. In Jesus' name.